It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian, and there are some big questions out there today. One of them being this Laura's man, is it coming back, Brian? <laughs> all right. So, first of all, welcome to the show. It's Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're live in the Morton studio right now, and yes, we've been getting bombarded with questions about Lore's Band today. When's it coming back? Uh, if you haven't heard the news yet, uh, there was a, I don't know if it was Court of Appeals, so don't quote me on that, but anyway, a court said that the court ruling from a couple years ago telling the EPA to ignore its own science and ban Lohr's ban anyway shouldn't have happened, which uh, that's pretty obvious. So Lohr's ban, or at least chlorpyrifos, will likely be back if any manufacturer does choose to make it and sell it in the United States. So we'll see what ends up happening. I don't know how that will go, but it appears that chlorpyrifos may be back for the 2024 growing season in the United States. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, 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 and so I've gotten many calls and questions about this today. I'm just going, look, the news just came out. So manufacturers don't work instantaneously. I've not heard any uh, anything in the ag chemical industry about manufacturers jumping on this right away. So we don't know what the price is going to be. Don't be surprised if it's higher than what it was a couple of years ago, just because of all the things that have gone on. But I don't know. We'll see what we find out here. All right. The other thing, Brian, is a news article that came out uh, that said cover crops help the environment and climate, but most farmers say no because they're losing money or they're afraid, afraid. they're going to lose money. Well, the and, data the data is showing it, Brian, and this was well, kind of interesting. They had a bunch of university and other data that was showing yields were down. A little bit. Yields were down a little bit. So, And, and here's the thing. You've got to look at why and so and analyze that thing a little bit. So when you read articles like that, you can take it one of two ways. You can say, oh, wow, this is a really good thing. I'm going to do it. Great. Or you can say, um, hey, this is uh, potentially hurting my yield and I'm not going to do it. Okay. Well, in both cases, let's talk about what we're dealing with here. So I was reading an article just today, just the first thing this morning. And let's see, one guy was spending $40 an acre on cover crops. I'm going, what? 40? Um, we're putting a bushel of oats out there. And you know what? Oats cost almost nothing. So we raise the oats on our farm. And then, then we just throw the seed out there. And granted, uh, we do run across the field either with a floater and then till it in. Or like this year, we just took our drill and planted the cover crop. So yes, there's a little bit of cost for seeding, but still between the oats and our cost for seeding, what am I spending? 15 bucks, maybe 20. And most of that cost is just in the equipment. It's certainly not 40. So that's one of the big things that we've told people is don't spend a fortune on cover crop. It's just cover. It's not a cash crop. So cut your seeding rate. If you're spending too much, that's usually our advice. Okay, one of the other things, as I was reading through this article, they had some quote from a farmer who had rye, and he couldn't get it planted then in the spring because it was so wet. So that delayed 
is planting, meaning he had a lower yield? Well, of course. So you got to look at your area, your conditions, your situation. You can't just read in some magazine and everybody says, well, you have to plant rye as a cover crop. Well, I guess I have to. Everybody says they're doing it. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. On our farm, for example, there's no possible chance I will ever raise rye again unless somebody forces me to because I don't want it growing into the spring. That's not good in our geography. In your geography, though, it might be great. I don't know. So we like oats. That's my preferred cover crop because it'll grow when it's pretty cool. It'll stay alive well into the fall for us, but then it absolutely 100% dies off every single winter. That's great. The reason why I like that is because I want nothing growing out in my field in the spring, sucking up water or nutrients that my crop's going to use. So but again, everybody's in a little bit different situation. Now, to this farmer that had just mentioned, well, it was all wet in the spring. Well, yeah, if you're going to have something growing into the spring, you are at risk for that. Maybe fine in your area. I, I, I don't know. So you've got to make that judgment yourself. But you want to do things that don't hurt your cash crop. Cover crops can be beneficial when they are used correctly. And the other thing is I'm going to disagree a lot here where they say, okay, so literally this is the headline of this article. Cover crops help the climate and environment, but most farmers say no, many fear losing money. I disagree. Many farmers say no, not because they're losing money. It's because they don't need a cover crop. Here's what I mean by that. If you're raising a full season crop, and this is usually what we're going to recommend with a cash crop, we want you to plant a full season crop like in our area. Okay, so I'm not talking everywhere. Please don't misunderstand. But in our area, you can't raise a cover crop after a full season corn crop or a full season soybean crop because you're planting when the frost is coming out of the ground. You're harvesting when the frost, when chances are the ground is partially frozen when you are harvesting. So, I mean, like here lately, we were down to 17 degrees last week. Okay, you can't plant a cover crop now. That's not going to work. So, and half the corn was still in the field in South Dakota as of this last week. Anyway, my point is when you raise a full season crop, a full season cash crop, that is your cover crop. You have something growing the entire growing season. That's the whole point of cover crops. So a cover crop isn't going to help the climate when it's in the winter and it's not growing. A cover crop is going to help the climate when it is growing because it's sucking in carbon dioxide and it's kicking out oxygen, which is great for us as human beings. So you just have to look at what your, your thing is actually doing. Cover crops are a tool, they're a nice tool. We love them in certain situations and they just quite frankly don't fit in others. Anyway, if you've got any more questions about cover crops, anything else going on in your farm, give us a call or send us an email. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. 
Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year. BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. back you're listening to ag phd radio it's farmer friday and our phone lines are open throughout the show for your calls and questions it's 844-44-AG-PHD start off with our friend tony wendler with farm shop mfg and tony your name came up in a conversation earlier this week i had a farmer who said man i've still got corn it's well in excess of 20 percent moisture out there it's just not drying down now you guys always talk about bin fan controls but i'm kind of nervous if i put anything over 20 percent in the bin should we be nervous in november putting corn that's let's just say 22 to 24 percent moisture in the bin and running air through it or will it still be okay uh, first thing, a uh, couple things you got to think about beyond controls are grain depth and uh, how big your your fans are. Uh, to be over 20%, uh, I'm going to first say you should always be nervous. The uh, Can you do it? Yes, but uh, be really nervous and be looking at it. Uh, grain depth becomes very significant when you put wet corn like that deep, your uh, Static pressure drops off radic- rapidly, and uh, you got to worry about the top layers. Stuff will still be happening. You're drying on the bottom, but the top, you're just blowing that moisture up through the top, and the air is not moving very fast. Hey Tony, can I throw so- lot- Tony? Can I throw something out at you real quick? When you when you talked yeah. about over 20 percent, and you worry about this, we have done this in in cases in the past, but we're not using controls. We literally will leave the fan on. 24-7 until the moisture goes down to a certain level. Is that something that could potentially be an option? I realize this is not your first choice, but I'm just saying if yeah. I've got a situation where, oh man, I got a bin that's 24%, because I just, I'm with you. I worry about spoilage. Well, if your fan is shutting off for a few hours, potentially things could heat up on you and now you may have a problem. So wouldn't you want to just go 24-7 if it's that wet? If you've got a lot of grain depth, you know, a lot of people have big fans now. You're right. Moving air through is going to keep it in condition, but you come into, you still own it in June or July. Um, 
one of the things I'll use an example of a guy I was working with had a 62 foot tall bin and uh, he put uh, wet corn in there and it was in the upper teens, not even over 20. And uh, your moisture front will quit partway up. The bottom half of the bin he dried, the top half was the same moisture he put it in uh, June the following year. And it was, uh, you know, keeping air, it's uh, how much air do you need to maintain to keep uh, high moisture grain from rotting. Uh, this time of year, you got a lot of hay. You just freeze the stuff, and it's good till next year, but uh, you still got to deal with drying it sometime. And uh, if you were going to put that into a bin that you had 15 foot of grain depth, I'd say not a big deal. Uh, 20 foot with axial fans, uh, you can get by with it, watch it. Uh, centrifugal fans, mid-20s, you start getting into 30 foot of grain depth. Uh, you're running your fan, especially in cold air, is going to keep it all right. But uh, you need to think about drying. It's, you, you'll have some effect, but uh, it really, really slows down. And I, I'll go back to the example of the guy that uh, put it in there in June the next year. It was the same moisture. Uh, the uh, On a fan control in uh, cool temps, shutting off to save electricity because the air was not the moisture to help you, uh, yes, I'm not worried about that. I would hate to have it do it in uh, May and June. The, I would be watching. I would want to be looking how much time my fans are running so I'm keeping some air moving through. So it's uh, if you understand the system and you can pay attention, obviously you've got sensors in there. You can tell if you're getting, generating heat. Generating heat, you're actually behind the eight ball. You've already got problems if you're generating heat. The uh, So there are a handful of things. Uh, hey, it's getting to the point that putting it in the bin is better than leaving it in the field. Uh you yep, just I agree. To, I you, agree. And like you say, you can freeze it and at least buy yourself some time. Yeah, and deal with it later. Have it shallower, empty out another bin, split it up, uh, something. And uh, hey, put a uh, HT on. One of the things, uh, uh, you put a, a humidity temperature monitor like we use, put one in the top. You're going to tell what your moisture is there, and you can see if you're drying it. You know, rather than sitting there wondering, uh, you know, the uh, our old generation uh, one sensors, we got a few of them left there, lower cost. Layer some of those in there, you'll see the front if it's moving. And you'll see your, if your grain is drying or what's going on. And uh, so you got an idea. You're not just sitting here worried about your bin. You've got information to help you make other decisions. And, you know, hey, I've, I've had that where I had some 22% uh, corn. And I didn't dry it in the fall, and I held it to the spring. And uh, I had first, I had one fan go. I had three fans in the bin. I had one fan go down, not a big deal. I got uh, two. And uh, right before the weekend, a second one goes down. And I hadn't gotten the third one uh, back from the. Uh, they hadn't gotten it fixed, in fact. And then I was down to one, and I had to dump half the bin. But I had information to tell the grain was heating. So uh, horsepower on your fans also important. Uh, so. Uh, you you can freeze it uh, and keep it cool. Uh, yes, you can do it. Uh, you got time to make other decisions. That's the big thing. In the bins better than in the field. Yeah, a lot at, of these at this point. A lot of these decisions don't happen every year. This is kind of an unusual year for some guys. They just got caught with whatever the weather did for them and their geography. And when you have questions like this and you haven't heard about this or or thought about it or had to deal with it for a number of years. 
it's good to talk to an expert. That's why we love talking with, well, it's one of the reasons we like talking with Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG. You can go to his website, Farm Shop MFG, find Tony's contact info and ask him the questions uh, that you've got about grain and also other things too. Tony, really appreciate having you on and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You bet. You too. Got Keith over in Illinois right now. Keith, how's harvest coming in your in your part of the country? It's pretty well wrapped up in my area. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's good. You're probably listening to all this saying, man, I'm glad I'm not in that spot. I got all my stuff either hauled to town or put in the bin already safely. Well, I'm actually just, just hauled my last load to the elevator. I'm in the truck right now, and and uh, things turned out pretty well. And, and there's a few guys still wrapping stuff up at home, but it's it's pretty well come along. Been a good harvest. Awesome. Awesome. So how would you characterize yields uh, in your area of Illinois? Um, I tell you what, it's it's just same old song and dance, I think, but uh, just depending on where you were. In fact, I'm in, I think I'm in about the smallest county in Illinois, and the southern part was really good, and the northern part was maybe even a little bit below average. Um, the uh, Where we were, we actually set about a two-bushel uh, record on our overall corn average, um, we beat our overall corn average by two bushels this year, and I think we beat our bean average by three, I think. Wow, that's so awesome. I, I was really, really happy with that, and I was not expecting it. Yeah, yeah, that's really fun. So, I mean, you, you can say, well, we had favorable weather, we caught some rains, those kinds of things. Obviously, all the lessons you've learned over the years, you've been putting those into practice too. So hard to say if you wouldn't have done some of those other things, would you have been able to take advantage of the weather like you did? But that, that's really fun. Anytime you set new records, that's a good thing. Very much, very much. I, like I said, I, I didn't expect it because we did have a really a pretty heavy dry spell between probably the middle of June to the middle of July, and just some of the droughty areas were, were looking pretty rough. But uh, we got some rains in midway through July, and, and they just they just kept coming to help fill stuff out and, and uh, just really, really put the top end on everything. Yeah, probably the biggest complaint then is more trucking, not enough bin space to hold all that <laughs> crap, those kinds of things. Those are good problems, Keith. Absolutely. I, I, I love complaining about those things. <laughs> I was talking to a farmer down in Texas, and he said uh, he had changed a few things, a uh, few of their practices on the farm, and his dad was kind of opposed to making these changes. But then he said he couldn't deny us when we were we just kept trucking out more and more and more. And he's like, where are we filling all these trucks? How are we filling all these trucks? And he said, well, it's because we did these things different. It really worked out. So uh, that's that's kind of fun to see that, that things go well. Okay, so talk to me about next year real quick then. Same thing for next year, or are you making any big changes? You know, I'm gonna, I am gonna. don't know that I'm going to make any big changes, but I might add a little bit to, to what I did different this year. Uh, I, I've been to a couple of your Neil Kinsey conferences, and I remember him mentioning something about we were talking about sulfur. I'm not going to put it, you know, sulfur is the magic thing, but I did happen to put more on this year, and I remember Neil talking about Ooh, sulfur. I like, hey, Keith, uh, we're hitting a break here, but I just wanted to say one thing. The more on program, putting more on. I love it. Sulfur is a really big one. That's a good one. Thanks, Keith. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Banning nitrogen with your planter saves you money. Don't waste those savings by buying an expensive application system. Clever design and engineering means 360 bandits, colders, and hose guides work to get the nitrogen in the perfect place for rapid root uptake. 360 bandit puts a band of nitrogen on both sides of the seed trench, three quarters of an inch deep. And 360 bandit costs a fraction of what more complex systems cost. Don't overspend. Choose 360 bandit from 360 Yield Center. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open for your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Tennessee, get our friend Eddie on right now. How's it going, Eddie? Doing good. How about yourself? Pretty good. What's happening on your operation today? Uh, cleaning up the combine, putting equipment up. We finished up uh, a week ago, and... Uh, just kind of taking our time. We got dry weather. We hadn't had a good measurable rain in about seven weeks, which is unusual for us. And, but uh, had a good harvest, uh, best crop we've ever had. I don't know exactly why, but it was, and, and of course, perfect harvest conditions. So I guess we got through a little early this year. Yeah. Always yeah. good, good feeling. 
Yeah, I, my brother always says the best time for a drought is right during harvest time, so we can just get the crop out and get done with it. And I love that you're cleaning up equipment right now too. Get it all cleaned up, put away. I I had a farmer when I was young, uh, and uh, I, he was a fun guy to go see and learn from. And one of the things that he did, he said, I want to have everything absolutely spotless in my machine shed. And he was really fussy about it. My dad was kind of fussy too. And I, I asked, well, why, why do you want it like that? He goes, well, number one, I want to be able to relax. And if I see there's more jobs I got to do, then I'm not going to be relaxed. But number two, he said, I just found if I didn't clean stuff up right away, I had a lot more mice around. And it was right at that time of year where the mice would start coming in and because I, I just don't want to have any hassle like that. I'm betting, though, in Tennessee, is it is it mouse season where they're trying to get into your buildings down there, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, had our first freeze here uh, yesterday morning. We were 24 degrees, which is uh, pretty low for us. And then, of course, now, uh, I think Monday, we're supposed to be back up in the 80s. So uh, it varies this time of year pretty much. But... Yeah, the mice and rodents have find their way around. Of course, anytime grains around, we we have to keep bait out and try to keep on top of that because that that can be a costly problem, as you well know. And uh, having grain and and equipment and places for them to hide is always a problem. You know, one thing that that I always saw too on on the farm at harvest time, everybody's excited about running the equipment, and I don't know if everybody's quite as excited about cleaning up. Are you doing it all yourself, Eddie, or you still got the whole crew around to take care of that? Well, the whole crew is me and my son, so we can't do nothing but point at each other. (laughs) We both do it, and uh, we get it cleaned up and take turns and sit down sometimes you have to walk off and leave it and go come do something else and come back and work on it some more because it's a it's pretty pretty big task to get that stuff cleaned up got some augers that had u joints bad and cylinder leaking taking them off and of course uh, try to have everything as much as possible ready to go as if you was to have to get in it and go again next year and there's enough things that goes wrong. People say it doesn't break down in the shed, but I've seen things do break down in the shed. But uh, you try your best to have things ready to go anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a lot of moving parts on, on harvesting equipment for sure. So, yeah, getting that work out of the way now doesn't leave you any surprises later on. Hey, Eddie, so happy for you guys. So glad you got such a good crop. And hopefully you guys catch a little rain, recharge that soil here before winter comes. Yeah, yeah, we need our, we in cattle business too, and our pastures burn up. We're going, uh, in fact, we've already put a little bit of hay out, which is, I usually, I'm not, I'm not too overstocked. I can usually make it almost to the 1st of January, but it's not going to help this year. So, uh, it looks like we got a long winter ahead of us as far as cattle business going too. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, Eddie, best of luck to you guys. Thank you so much. Great talking to you today. You too, thank you. Let's head up to Quebec, Canada. I've got John on with us right now. How's it going, John? Pretty good today. Pretty good. Excellent. It's dry anyway. Yeah. How are you guys coming <laughs> we, with we harvest? We, uh, we're approximately half done our corn. Beans are actually the combines in the field doing the last 10 acres of beans right now. So finally got uh, some weather that we can do beans. It's been pretty catchy weather here. Yeah, are they drying down? I, I was talking to a, a grower down in Iowa 
Uh, just this week, they took some beans out. They were still 16%, and a guy over in Nebraska said they had some 18% beans with some of the wet conditions off and on. The beans had taken on some moisture again. Now, I think uh, the combine says they're 14 right now, so that's uh, not too bad. That's not too bad. These are uh, IP beans, and that's they have to be right, right around 14 for to be accepted. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, here are uh, our IP, uh, our uh, GMO beans. They have to be 13. Okay. Before we can send them to the elevator. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the our corn is coming off quite well this year. It's uh, we're averaging right around 230 bushels. Wow! Awesome. And, uh, yeah, we're we're, <laughs> we're we're I shouldn't say we're surprised because we did have a lot of moisture this year. We didn't have a lot of cloud cover. Didn't know how it was going to be, but the moisture is right around 23, which is about normal for this time of year for us. And uh, maybe a little, maybe it could be a little drier sometimes, but often it's in uh, mid 20s. Sure, sure. Well, at 230 bushel, you're going to have enough profit there to be able to afford to dry that stuff down. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, we're, we're mostly no-till. Uh, the only thing that's not no-till is our processing peas, which we, you know, we, we till the soil with, for them. It gives it a little better uh, chance of germinating evenly. Okay. And uh, but uh, this year, all our bean land, we, we we never do this, but we did it this year. We we uh, we worked. We put potash on, and some manure, and then we worked it in. But uh, that's not normal for us. We don't uh, don't usually till our soil in the fall, but our potash levels were low, so the price is pretty decent. So we said this is the year to do it. So <laughs> yeah, we did it. You know, you're right about that. There's there's years where the prices are down, and you just say, man, historically we have to pay a lot more than that for potash in this case. I'm going to take advantage of that when I get a chance to buy stuff cheap. And you know what? If you don't use it up this year, you'll use it up on a future crop. So I, I like it. Yeah, I like the strategy. Right. <laughs> it doesn't always work, but, it, I mean, it works for you. But this this year I think it's working well. Um, what, what can you tell me about a product called Invita. We, we, we have a test with Invita. We don't have the results yet, but uh, have you had any experience with it? Yeah. Yeah. That product's been out for quite a while. There's a lot of these uh, products that are claiming uh, to help provide more nitrogen for the crop. And we've done some trial work on just, I don't know, quite a few different products. I know last year we had some really extensive trials. And one of the things that we found was Pretty much all of those products did produce some nitrogen. Uh, whether we got an economic gain or not was another question because sometimes nitrogen isn't the yield-limiting factor. Like you say, it could be a field where, well, I'm short of potash, and I ran out of potash first, so it didn't matter if I had enough nitrogen yeah. or not. I, we didn't have that in in our big nitrogen trial, though, in Vita. Well, it was it was in a combination product, I believe, that had that plus something else. And it might not have been in that published study that we're talking about at our, okay. our workshops. But, yeah, we've, we've done that one, too. So uh, there, there are other products. That one's been out for quite a while. We've been using uh, some newer concepts more than we've used that one. Uh, and we're also okay. looking at some different uh, microbial 
products that not only help with N, but help with some of the other nutrients as well. And that seems to be, uh, in, in what I've seen anyway from data this year, that seems to be paying better in 2023's data just because, like I was saying before, might not always be N that a guy is short. But I know, Brian, you're big on this too in our trail work. Hey, we got to make sure we cut that nitrogen rate enough to really see what these things are doing. Well, you, we just have to actually need the nitrogen. That's my my challenge because we've, we've actually had some research done by some independent researchers, and they come back and they show us no data. And I'm like, wait a second, come on. What do you actually have for nitrogen in the soil? Test the soil. It's like they have overwhelming amounts of nitrogen in the soil already. Well, you didn't need any nitrogen. So that's probably our biggest thing that we suggest to people. Just test for nitrogen. If you have all kinds of carryover and you're putting too much commercial anon, you're not going to see a response from any of these biological things. I guess everything has its place. (laughs) Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, hey, John, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a -a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valen.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on X, AgPhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines, going to the state of Florida. Got Rob on with us with a question about bluegrass. Hey, Rob, how are you today? Hey, how you doing today? Excellent. So um, I, I, I listen. I listen to bluegrass music, but I was calling about blueberries. <laughs> oh, blueberries! They told us bluegrass. All right. Well, blueberries. Go ahead. What you got for us? I like. <laughs> I like some good bluegrass, though. We get the banjo out and then, you know, it's, it's good old time. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, in North Florida, we have a, a recurring issue, and the University of Florida has been making. Uh, a lot of uh, improvements um, in uh, selecting uh, certain qualities um, that allow us to grow blueberries despite not having enough cool temperatures. Yep. And I, f- I fear that that's going to be a, con- a continued issue here uh, as uh, yep. the temperature changes continue to be in such flux. Um, you know, I'm a permaculture farmer. I, I do all organic. I have uh, a a system that works with nature and not against nature. Yep. So I avoid uh, chemicals and I avoid some of the genetically modified. Uh, uh, but obviously there's a certain crossbreeding that takes place that sure. is well within confines of normality. And I just wondered if you had any insights on where we were headed with these, you know, maybe the not just with blueberry, but crops in general that are temperature-reliant and uh, seem to be facing... Uh, great uh, unrest in, in our projections on that. Rob, I think that's a great question that you got for us today. I would say there is an awful lot of talk about climate change, rising temperatures, and I mean, honestly, I tell people don't even watch the news, because if you watch the news some days, you're, you're going to be thinking that the world's coming to an end tomorrow. So I, I think sometimes things get a little bit overblown. For example, with this temperature thing, in the last 100 years in the world, the average temperature has gone up one degree. That's it. Also, I, I was in high sc- or sorry grade school and middle school in the 1970s, and back then they were talking about global cooling because we'd been on a downward cycle for about 30, 40 years. And now it's gone the other way, and now they're talking about global warming. So I, I think some things are cyclical, but if we look at hey, the temperature on average has gone up one degree in 100 years. In your lifetime, in my lifetime, I'm probably not super worried that all of a sudden we're not going to be able to raise the same crops we've been raising because the Earth's temperature has just exploded and it is unbelievably high. But you bring up an excellent point about blueberries. Uh, yeah, it's a crop where you're 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 up against it a little bit where you are farming at so let's put it this way you you talk about being organic no chem no gmo and things like that 
any way a person wants to farm, we're just here to support you. And the number one thing that we're probably going to be talking to you about to try to help the crop survive whatever conditions are thrown at it is fertility. So, I, I mean, if you ever want to, you can send us your soil tests. We'd be more than happy to take a look at them. Blueberries actually thrive in a little bit lower soil pH. So that's one of the things that's a little bit unique compared to most of the crops that we talk about here on the show on a regular basis. They can, they'll be just fine at a 5.5 or 6 pH, whereas some crops like alfalfa, for example, it would not like that at all. Uh, but nevertheless, we want to look not only at pH, but at all the other nutrients too. And just make sure that we've got things in good balance. So one of the things I'll bring up to you, for example, is copper. So we've talked about copper on the show before in relation to wine grapes, but it's the same thing with blueberries and soybeans, that if you start having great fertility and you're raising tremendous blueberries, you literally could bust that that outer shell of the blueberry, the outer casing of the blueberry, because you've got so much inside. Copper controls the elasticity of that uh, that outer coating on the on the blueberry. So it, it's, I mean, there there are a lot of things to it besides just phosphorus and potassium and nitrogen that a lot of people want to focus on. We want to take a look at your secondary nutrients, your micronutrients, the balance in the soil, and things like that. So I'm just going to tell you that would probably be really important for me. The other thing is there are more biological or as we call them natural products that are coming available in the marketplace. So I don't know what exactly is out there for blueberries, but there are a number of different things we're using in corn and soybeans and wheat and a whole bunch of other crops, alfalfa and everything else. And there, there's one, for example, that a product called Heat Shield we use to keep the corn a little bit cooler. So you're talking about hot temperatures. Um, is that something that possibly could be used in blueberries in the future. That's very possible, and it might be something worth experimenting with. So anyway, I'm just throwing this out there that uh, I, I, yeah, I don't want you to lose hope, and if you listen too much to the news, you might. So I think things are going to be okay for you, Rob. And I, yeah, I, you know, yep. I, I, I was pretty sure that the Israeli conflict was going to get in the way of my blueberry crop this year, either that or the... <laughs> Uh, politics. Uh, I don't know yep. if there's going to be a school shooting that could take care of my crops or another Building 7 where it fell in free fall speed on 9-11 and they blamed it on uh, the terrorists. You so see what knows, I'm talking right? about. You watch the news and it's very easy to get down there. It's no wonder why a lot of people are depressed out there. I I prefer to just set uh, that you. to the side. I want to focus on the things that are in, in my space and you know what's going on on my farm and in, in my little world world rather than worrying about all the bad things around the world. I wish they'd have news that would just tell you the great things that are happening around the world. Maybe they should do that, Rob, and then all of us would be super happy all the time. Well, I just have my fifth grandson, so that's wow. good news. Congrats. I'll share that with the listening audience. Yep, and I'm only 34, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty wild. But, <laughs> yep. yeah, I love you guys. Uh, I, if you guys could figure out a way to grow Zempic, the new uh, weight loss medication that everyone's taking, you'd probably make a fortune. So let me know if you figure that out. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Great talking to you, Robin. Hey, send us your soil Thank test you. sometime if you want to. Appreciate it. See ya. I will. I just sold myself talking to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> See you later. Let's head out to North Carolina. We got AO on with us right now. How's it going, AO? Uh-oh. I'm living the dream. 
Absolutely. Sometimes, uh, sometimes Absolutely. a nightmare is a dream, but it's a dream. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's a little better than that. But how's how's the seed business going? You guys keeping busy this fall? Well, yeah, it got off real slow on uh, wheat. I didn't know if uh, things were going to sell or not. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it just opened right up. And uh, I guess prices picked up a little bit. And anyway, it opened up, and we've been moving moving along pretty good on uh, wheat seed. Awesome. T- tell me about wheat seed. When you're cleaning that up, as you're trying to grow it, uh, what are some of the things that are big concerns for you in North Carolina that you're worried about? Well, First of all, I was getting a good crop, but uh, uh, we've been mighty fortunate. Uh, don't have a whole lot of concerns out there. Uh, if we can get past, we have a few growers that have to deal with Hessian fly. Okay. And other than that, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, we we don't have a whole lot of disease pressure that causes us problems. But uh, Hessian fly, is, I, I know the last couple of years we've had calls where folks would say, hey, can you come out here and look at my stuff or whatever like that? And and it would be Hessian fly. Uh, it not necessarily be something we sold to them, just something that they had, you know. When you're seed business, you're always a service. It doesn't matter who they're growing for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for, that's for sure. No doubt about that. Well, and it, you know, it is one thing that's kind of neat about the business too is that you get out to a lot of fields with a lot of different growers, and you see a lot of a lot of times you don't get the call when it's hey your wheat is yielding tremendous. It's hey I've got a problem, and so you kind of figure out what could possibly go wrong and how do you fix that. So I like that. That's uh, at least that's a positive thing. So like you say, you're you're living. The dream it might be a nightmare sometimes it might be a nightmare field out there but you're always learning hey ao thank you so much good luck to you i know you guys are super busy but really appreciate the chance to talk yep you have a good one you thank too. you for calling you bet it's farmer friday and ag phd radio our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD stay tuned It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. 
and with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new Case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open if you want to talk about what's happening on your farm. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. We got Herb on next up in Manitoba to talk a little bit. How you doing, Herb? We're doing fine. Thank you. So what's happening in Manitoba? You guys wrapping up harvest? You guys all done and working on other things now? Well, the bulk of the harvest is done. There's still a little bit of corn and sunflowers left. We winter put up a little early, and we're getting ready. We're getting ready to place concrete for a new grain dryer for next year. Awesome! Yeah, the work never stops on the farm. Yeah, always something to do. <laughs> so, for new grain dryer, what crops will will run through that grain dryer? Will everything run through, or are there just certain crops like corn that you're going to focus on? Well, we've got uh, duck type grain dryers, so corn is a big one, but every some wheat and often some canola as well. So on the farm here, basically, we raise three crops, wheat, canola, and corn. Okay. Okay, so which crop was the best this year? None of them were particularly great, but uh, (laughs) wheat wheat was the worst. Uh, We had a couple fields of canola that turned out fairly well. We we just simply were very short of rain here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's no fun when when the rain doesn't come. We were in the same boat. We didn't get very much rain this year. So, do you do you change things on those dry years, or you just kind of figure it out along the way that I'm just not going to dump any more money in this crop because I just can't buy a rain? Well, we went down to the foothills in the Rockies. Actually, went down to Canmore, and we spent a few days uh, mountain bike riding instead of spraying fungicide this year. Yeah, yeah, it's spraying absolutely takes up a lot of time in the summer caring for these crops. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, along the lines of the fungicide application for growers that are in more, um, well, areas that get a lot more rainfall in the western part of North America here. And when you start talking about Manitoba or the Dakotas where we farm, if we don't get much rain, we generally don't have a whole lot of disease. So uh, I can certainly understand you'd probably have less need for the fungicide. So uh, getting that concrete poured, going to have to cover it probably, huh? Are you guys getting a warm spell here the next few days too? 
Well, the farms are ready, and we got a couple of big diesel-fired heaters going to keep keep it for, uh, to thaw the ground out where it froze, and uh, they'll be accusing they're supposed to be placing the concrete. There you go. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You can can keep doing work up here. I know a lot of guys say, well, construction season's over, but no, there's still some things you can do if you're willing to do a little bit of extra work. Uh, Herb, anything else you wanted to bring up about your farm today? No, I mean, uh, we were short. Oh, we uh, didn't have any uh, mosquitoes. were almost uh, extinct. That was good. Uh, grain prices have fallen some. Farming has been actually, far, grain farming has been quite profitable the last few years, so it's it's all good. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, I especially like the no mosquitoes comment, Herb, because you guys get a hard time in Canada. A lot of people say, man, the mosquitoes are as big as airplanes up there. So I'm glad you got a break from them for at least one year. Well, there's one thing I'll mention on a little bit of a personal note, and that is that our forefathers, they left the Ukraine about in the, in the 1870s for freedom of religious reasons, and I'm very thankful that I'm not there today. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough place to be right now with what's going on over there, no doubt about it. Well, Herb, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Yeah, Darren and I were over in Ukraine in 2006, and, I mean— a long time ago now, but I guess it was a little bit discouraging when you go over there and you see the amazing soil that they have, but there are just so few dollars there and they weren't able to take advantage of some of the things that they could have if they maybe had a few better products and a few well, better technologies and things like no doubt, that. No doubt that communism for all those years was crippling to them. Yes. And then also all the wars, too. It was just amazing when you went through small towns and you saw how many men and really how many families were killed in all the conflicts that have been through that part of the world. It's really sad. I, I heard today the average age of the soldier now in Ukraine is 43 years old. So you think about how many young people in their country have been killed in this generation as well. It's it's terrible. Uh, got a few questions that came in here, Brian, though, for the Ag PhD mailbag. If we can it's the mailbag. Dive into that. Uh, okay, first one here. This one comes in from Brett. He said, all right, guys, I've had some bad issues with my double crop this year. Normally, after a 100-bushel wheat crop, I'm getting at least a 50-bushel soybean crop, but not the case this year. We had lots of sudden death syndrome, and we've only cut the first 100 acres of double crop so far, and it's the fields where we bailed the straw off where we're seeing more issues. Uh, is that a normal thing, or what do you think? Well, first of all, Brett, thanks for the question, uh, and sorry to hear that, that your crop is not as good as you would like. Sudden death syndrome can be, for the most part, prevented if you're using Saltro or Olivo as a seed treatment in, in addition to your normal fungicide, insecticide, naturals package. Uh, Saltro and Olivo really help. Uh, so I'd strongly recommend using them. Sudden death syndrome starts from a fusarium that survives on residue and in soil. So maybe when you bailed the stalks off, I, I would have thought you would have had less personally, but yep, I'm kind of surprised by that. The other thing is cool, wet conditions at planting lead to more infection. Unlikely when it's double so, crop. So I, wet, I, yes, yeah, but not cool. I just don't get that. Now, the other things that I think about with sudden death syndrome, fields with low pH have more problems. Fields with low fertility have more problems. Poor drainage fields have more problems. 
Uh, if you have more soybean cyst nematodes in those areas, that can really flare yep. SDS up. Yep. So I would definitely pull a nematode sample. And then the other thing is if you've got compaction. So maybe with the process of bailing up all the straw and that kind of thing, it could have been where maybe the ground got packed a little bit more. So I'd look at those other situations as well. And then certainly I'd recommend using Saltro or Olivo. And send us your soil test. I'd really like to see what you've got in the soil. If you get that the soil nutrients balanced, even things like copper. So we were talking about this last winter with Neil Kinsey, and he just said, hey, if you have copper levels at five or more, and granted that's on his test or similar to a Malik 3, not on all tests, it would have to be five. But anyway, better levels of copper, and they were seeing less sudden death syndrome. All right. Uh, another question that came in, this one's from PC. Uh, you guys talked about how to kill army worms once they're already out there on one yep. of your shows, but you didn't talk to how to me about how I can prevent them from coming in in the first place. Hey, it's a great question, PC, because there's a reason that there's more armyworms hitting certain areas than others. I think about the adult moths and where they're going to lay eggs. And if you yep. take away uh, where they're going to lay eggs, they'll go lay them somewhere else. They like to have some dense cover. Uh, and I think about pastures, ditches, fence lines, grass waterways. You mow those down. And let's be honest, cover crops out in the field and yep. no-till out in the field. And so here's the problem. There are always trade-offs for things because, yeah, honestly, we'll tell you how to prevent them. It's pretty simple. Pull out the moldboard plow, make everything black, have everything black in your ditches, your fence lines, your fields, everything, and you absolutely will have fewer armyworms. But do you want to do that? I seriously doubt it. So that's the challenge. I will tell you, like on our farm, we do spray our ditches and fence lines with insecticides. So hopefully we can catch those bugs and others there before they migrate out to the field. So that may be possible. But yeah, I mean, the best prevention method is something that almost all of us are going away from because we're trying to reduce erosion. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Mike up in South Central North Dakota. He said, guys, I'm planning on using the three pre-program on soybeans this coming year. It's going to be on reduced till ground. I'm going to do one pass with a field cultivator. And then some of it is going to be on no-till ground. Now, obviously, I'm north of I-80. You guys talk about that a lot. Uh, so pre-plant or pre-plant incorporated will be the way I go. But yep. uh, should I put it on before I run the field cultivator? Yes. Uh, and then you can use spray fertilizer. Or should I spray it after and leave it on top? No, you want to work it in because then you can use trifluralin. It's going to save you 10 bucks an acre versus prowl. So that literally would pay for your tillage pass. Uh, and both products will work just fine. But no, I'd absolutely work it in. That also, when you work it in, means you're going to need less rainfall to get everything active and going Which and all in that. in central North Dakota, that's going to be a big deal. Yep. Uh, last question you had is, would a rotary hoe work for doing tillage for putting in that herbicide? Not for the trifluralin. For the other stuff, fine. But not for trifluralin. Trifluralin will become a gas in the soil. You've got to get it buried at least a little bit. Otherwise, it's going to go right up in the air. I had two comments on gold golden rice that we were talking about the other day. Alex said, it's nice to know golden rice is finally in production. But CT said, man, if they're using genes out of sweet corn, why don't they just plant sweet corn? Well, you can't grow sweet corn everywhere, but rice is better suited to climates in some of these countries. So I agree with you. They should probably have some sweet corn too and diversify that diet out a little bit. Uh, but if you can't and you are in an area where rice will grow well, uh, having those genes in there certainly helps with the nutrition. Hey, thanks for the feedback, and thanks for checking out our show. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now, stay tuned 
for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.